The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of my favorite songs is Holy Now by Peter Mayer. I'm not going to read you all of the lyrics, but I do want to tell you what it's about. Basically, the message of the song is that sometimes lessons that were learned in Sunday school or in church as a child follow us into adulthood, and without any further development, they limit our ability to experience a deeper understanding or a fuller appreciation of the truth. Mayer writes from his perspective as an adult, suggesting that he is able to see and think more fully and more clearly about some of the things he learned as a child. The lyrics unfold a little bit, like what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, When I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. One stanza is about miracles, like Moses parting the Red Sea and Jesus turning water into wine. In the song, Mayer remembers that he felt sad as a child, that miracles didn't happen still. And then, the very next stanza goes like this. Wine from water is not so small, but an even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. So the challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles, but finding where there isn't one. And the refrain goes like this. Everything, everything, Everything is holy now. This song came to mind during a recent book club discussion. The topic of prayer came up and someone noted how we teach children to pray. Bow your head, close your eyes, fold your hands, be still and quiet. And then she quickly pointed out how that practice, if it's the only one carried into adulthood, severely limits our experience of prayer. She said, bowing your head, folding your hands, closing your eyes and being still is not the only way to pray. If Peter Mayer were to add a stanza about prayer to Holy Now, I imagine it might go something like this. When I was a child, I learned before we lay ourselves down to sleep, we bow our head and fold our hands and offer our prayer to God. And before we eat, we do the same. Today, the only difference is everything, everything, everything is prayer now. 
As you've heard already, today we're talking about prayer, which is an enormous topic for a sermon. For that matter, it's an enormous topic for an hour-long class or even for a year-long seminary course, right? So obviously, I cannot cover everything. But my hope is that what you hear today will move you to a new beginning place for your prayer life. The hymn we just sang, There's a Balm in Gilead, includes these words. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, I have to confess that when I think of the Apostle Paul, his prayer life is not what comes to mind. Rather, I think of his missionary work and the churches that he established. I think of how he was a persecutor of Christians, and then later I think about his conversion to Christianity. And I think of his letters, which make up nearly one half of our New Testament. But his prayer life? Not so much. At least until this past week. I led a Bible study for one of our circles on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. As I was reading the letter in preparation for the class, I couldn't help but notice how frequently in the letter Paul turned to prayer, almost right in the middle of a thought. In one verse, he's writing about the grace of God, and in the very next, he's lifting up a concern in prayer. And then he goes right back to the grace of God without missing a beat. What's so striking about this is how seamlessly Paul moves into and out of prayer, and not just here in Ephesians, but in all of his writings. I might say that for him, it must have been like everything, everything, everything is prayer now. The quote on the front of the bulletin today is from Psalm 139. The psalmist asks, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And then he answers his own question saying, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. The truth is, we're surrounded by the presence of God everywhere all the time. Now, you may be wondering, okay, but what does that have to do with prayer? Well, one of the earliest definitions of prayer we learn and we teach is that it is talking to and listening to God. And that is true. But isn't prayer also attuning our hearts to God's abiding presence recognizing that we are never alone and awakening to the divine in our midst? When Paul said, pray without ceasing, I don't think he meant talk to God 24-7. I don't think he meant recite your memorized prayers continually, and I don't think he meant develop a disciplined practice of prayer that you commit yourself to all day long. Rather, I think that what he was getting at was inspiring within us an awareness of the nearness of our Creator, an awareness of Emmanuel, God with us, an awareness of being continually surrounded 
by the love of God. I'm convinced that it is precisely this awareness that prompted Paul to move effortlessly between discourse and prayer and back again. Do you see? When we think about prayer like this, then everything, everything, everything is prayer now. In other words, doing the dishes can be a prayer. Going for a walk can be a prayer. Folding the laundry, mowing the lawn, raking the leaves, harvesting the garden, bringing food to IOCP, leading a confirmation small group, writing a letter, making a phone call, saying I'm sorry, working for justice, forgiving another, acting in grace, withholding judgment, reading a bedtime story, saying I love you. Any one of these can be a prayer when performed lovingly while attuning oneself to God's presence. Know this. Even amid the distractions and disappointments, amid noise and hurry and hustle, amid isolation and pandemic, amid doubt and anger, God is near, patiently awaiting your attention and forever delighted by your awareness of his deep and boundless love for you. To summarize, Bishop Robert Barron put it this way, prayer is really a way of being in the world, a way of being in the world. I love that so much because it absolutely captures the sense of prayer as an act of attuning our awareness to the presence of God, which in turn transforms our actions of service and love into prayer. And so it is. Everything, everything, everything is prayer now. Amen.